Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Pitch to Contact podcast, part of the Twins Talk Network. I'm your host, Ben Jones from Twinkytown, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my co-host, John Ka. John, how are you doing? Uh, twins are on uh, pace for 162-0, and zero, so I can't complain. They're never going to lose again. They're definitely never going to lose as long as they don't pitch Emilio Pagan. I cannot oh stress goodness. that enough. No more Pagan. I'm done. Even even in a four, even with a four-run lead, that felt dicey. <laughs> I, I mean, they got they got Griffin Jacks up because they felt the same. So at least they're yep. learning from their mistakes, right? I right, think, exactly. I think if another guy would have reached, they would have pulled Pagan, but uh, at, at least they're learning too. And honestly, right. it's not like they have any better options for the bullpen right now anyway. Exactly. I mean, yeah, there really is it. Josh Winder's still down. He's still hurt. So there really isn't kind of a natural replacement for Pagan. Um, they did trade away Danny Kloom, but it's not like Danny Kloom would be doing any better than Emilio Pagan probably. So, um, uh, just, I, just, I wouldn't go just, that far. Okay, sure. <laughs> Let, let's not get too crazy here, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So just some quick programming reminders. You can follow us on Twitter at twins talk pod, uh, and make sure that you subscribe to, or follow the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon. I mean, if Twitter dies and we have to go back to MySpace, we'll be there too, wherever you want to listen. We hope you can find us. Uh, so what we're going to be doing today is we want to just kind of go through what happened since the last time recorded. Obviously we had the first three games of the twin season. We'll go through all of those, all of the major notes from them. And then a few other, uh, news pieces at the end of the podcast. Uh, so with that, John, let's get started. Yeah. Uh, game one opening day, Pablo Lopez, starting pitcher, uh, the newly acquired Pablo Lopez. We should, we should stress, um, great day for him. Actually 5.1 innings, uh, gave up two hits, 
uh, three walks and eight strikeouts. Uh, one of the big things I think a lot of people were looking at was whether his velocity was going to be up because he had that elevated velocity in the game that he started in the WBC for Venezuela. And it looks like it's still there. He sat 95 miles per hour on the fastball and um, he it was just working for him all day. He had the fastball going. The changeup was good. The sweeper, which is a new pitch that he added. He's literally never thrown it before and he, find, and he threw it in uh, opening day. Uh, it was just making right hand batters look silly out there. Yeah, definitely. John, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you can answer this. Maybe you can't. What is a sweeper? I feel like I had never heard about it before prior yeah. to this offseason. Now, all of a sudden, everybody has a sweeper. It's not a slider. It's not a curveball. What is it? Right. Yes. So sweepers are interesting because, it. you know, some people are, are tempted to call them slurves, uh, you know, just being kind of a cross between a uh, a slider and, and a curveball kind of. Maybe maybe a good way to describe it is if you know how good like Dodger pitchers have been in the past years, like there's a, this thing called like the Dodger slider, which just basically is a slider with a bit more um, horizontal break. Um, I have a colleague over at Pitcherless, uh, Nate Schwartz, who wrote a really good article um, about this, about what a sweeper really is. And it, it is kind of a it is a hybrid between a slider and a curveball. Um I'm trying to figure out if there's any like specific things I can say about it that, you know, would help the average fan understand a bit more about what a sweeper looks like. But yeah, uh, if you've ever watched Shohei Otani pitch, uh, basically he threw, I think, like 48 percent sweepers in his start uh, on opening day. Um, that's he's a good person to look at to see what a sweeper is. Obviously, uh, Joe Ryan, I think, added a sweeper this year. Um, the basically the, the big thing is it just has the vertical movement of a slider horizontal movement of a curveball yeah. it just sweeps that it's maybe the best way <laughs> yeah. to describe it. it it does kind of seem like the thing that you know every pitcher that came back and is better all of a sudden has a sweeper right you always hear about that mm-hmm. you hear about the added velo um and it seems like this offseason especially the sweeper was the big focus uh, with, uh that they're working on over at driveline along with getting some velo yep. up like they usually do Right. Um, so, so that's interesting. Yeah, definitely the velocity with Pablo Lopez, I think is something else to look out for too. Um, you know, if, if that sweeper is as good as it looked and he has the extra velocity on the fastball that suddenly makes that trade look a lot better where if Pablo Lopez is more like a one and less like a two or a three, the mm-hmm. twins are going to be in a really good spot long-term. Yeah, we will. I mean, we will say Luis Arise is looking really good in Miami <laughs> right now. He's, he is hitting the ball all over the place. Um, and um, it's kind of sad to see him do that for another team, but yeah. uh, I'm, I'm kind of okay with the trade because of just how good uh, Lopez looked on yeah. opening day. And we know how it goes with the rise. He's going to look great right now because he's healthy. And, you know, in a month when he tweaks that ankle, it'll tone down a little bit, unfortunately. Sure. Yeah. Let's not wish that on him, but that is kind Definitely of the reality. Of, that's re- that's why the twins kind of traded him because he was an injury prone. But uh, one of the things that really stood out to me with Lopez's start actually was um, he had an at-bat against uh, MJ Melendez on uh, the bottom of the fifth. Um, I don't know if you remember this. It was basically mm-hmm. right before he, uh, you know, at the end of the fifth, he, he did come out in the sixth to, uh, to face uh, Salvi Perez, um, and then uh, he left the game. But, yeah, he got into a 3-0 hole. Like, it, he was just missing a lot. The one thing that we should mention is that his fastball command was a little bit off. Um, it was He wasn't getting as many strikes as, you know, he usually does. But he fought back from that 3-0 hole, um, had, like, a high fastball for a called strike, then threw a changeup on three one to get a whiff, and then um, Blund is actually grounded into a double play to to finish out the inning there. And I think that was just like one of those things where you're, you're, 
it, you know, he looked like a pitcher who was in control, even though he was in that three Oh hole, like he didn't panic even with the pitch clock. Like it, it wasn't like speeding him up or making him feel look any more anxious. Um, I think he just looked like a, a pro there on, on the mound. Yeah. I think that makes sense from everything we hear about Pablo Lopez too. Everybody says, you know, he's so smart. He's so capable. He's so well liked. He's really well adjusted. He knows how to deal with the stress of the game that comes along. And so, you know, seeing him deal with that in real time, I think was really insightful to the type of pitcher that he is. Of course, the other big note from this was the first game lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. with, a, with that was a little bit of a surprise with Max Kepler batting leadoff after Joey Gallo had been doing it for most of spring training. Yeah. Uh, I think Kepler is a useful player. I mm-hmm. think Kepler uh, could certainly still be an everyday bat in the Twins lineup. I don't think he should be batting leadoff. Yeah, I was. I was honestly a little. I was a little confused by that move. Um, not because you know Kepler is necessarily a bad hitter, like you mentioned. He's you know he's probably decent, um, but I just feel like they could have gone with somebody more interesting uh, paths with with leadoff. Uh, I was actually kind of hoping that they would have um, Nick Gordon up there instead, just to see what his back can do in that in that in that spot. Um, you know, Gallo Gallo being leadoff is kind of weird, but you know, we saw last year the Phillies with Kyle Schwarber that that worked out pretty well for them. So you know, and yeah. as you mentioned, that's kind of what they've been doing in spring training. But yeah, they decided to put Kepler back in back in leadoff and. Part of it, I guess, was you know the thought that oh, back in 2019 when Kepler batted leadoff, you know he he did really well. That he had a career season. Um, I, I just don't know if that's like the best yeah. reasoning to have I, him in that spot. I think part of why they went with it, you know, standard leadoff guy, right? Maybe not so much leadoff ten years ago, but leadoff now. You just want someone who's going to get on base. So right. That's why yep. the Twins were trying that with Joey Gallo because he takes a lot of walks. Yep. Um, and I think that's the thinking behind Max Kepler too versus someone like Nick Gordon, where Nick Gordon maybe is going to have a better average. Um, mm-hmm. He just doesn't have the patience. He's swinging at first pitches. He's swinging at second pitches. He's striking out on three pitches. Max Kepler mm-hmm. doesn't really do that. He still takes relatively good at bats. It's just yep. when he puts the ball in play, good stuff art doesn't usually happen. Right. Uh, it, yeah, it's been it's been a weird, let's just say three games for Kepler as well, because I mean, he was I think he was over four in, in the first game. Yeah, um, I don't think. Does he have a I don't, hit know if he, I don't think it was a hit, actually, in, in three games. Um yeah, no, no hits yet for Kepler. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, but he's also not necessarily getting on base either. Yeah, uh, he has. I mean, I guess he has what four walks, so I mean, that's not too bad. Oh no, sorry, that's spring training stats. Yeah, um, he has it should no be walks. noted with spring training. Part of why they might have gone with him for the leadoff hitter is he hit three eighty two. He had an OPS over a thousand. Yep. He hit two home runs. He had a really good spring, right? He was looking. Yep like the type of player you want in the middle of your lineup at the top of your lineup mm-hmm. uh, that hasn't translated yet, uh, but he hit a few balls hard and hopefully, you know, he'll come around. Cause frankly, um, even though Kepler maybe isn't a great option, I don't know if the twins have a better option right now to hit lead off. But yeah, it, that's definitely true. I mean, if you want a guy who gets on base and maybe gives you a little bit more speed on the Bates pats, Kepler seems to fit that mold. Yeah. Um, we'll just see how long he stays in that, whether, you know, the twins are kind of willing to have his bat continue being lead off. If it's, if he's not getting on base anymore, um, you know, who's that paved the, the way for, I, I don't know if there's really another natural lead off hitter, like you mentioned on, on this team when you're facing righties, I guess. Definitely. I think the idea is eventually that lead off hitter becomes someone like Royce Lewis or mm-hmm. yep. Edward Julian. But until then right now it's cap. Right. Exactly. So let's move on to game two. 
uh, game two, they went with the exact same starting lineup, uh, but different starting pitcher. Obviously, Sonny Gray took the mound. He went five innings, three hits, four walks, just one strikeout. Uh, crucially, he had the three walks in the third inning. He struck out Fran Mil Reyes to end the inning. Uh, the app, that at bat actually started with the Twins' first automatic called strike uh, due to a pitch clock violation. Yep. But uh, with Sonny Gray, I think the big thing with him was the lack of control. He clearly didn't have the fastball working. He didn't trust it. They mentioned that on the broadcast where mm-hmm. he was going with so much more breaking stuff because it looked like he just had a better feel for it. Yeah, I was actually listening to this game on the radio. I couldn't watch it, but uh, I was listening during that third inning. It was just like, oh, dear. Is this like another Sonny Gray situation where he he uses that because one of the biggest issues with Sonny Gray was second time and third time through the order last year. It just wasn't as good. I mean, definitely third time the other, he wasn't, he wasn't good at all. Second time the other, he was still like a, a yeah. decent pitcher. And so it was just like, Oh dear, is this like kind of the repeat of last year? But you know, he was able to rein it in, um, which, which worked out, which worked out pretty well. And obviously like for me, I, I sometimes have a bit more of a fantasy baseball bent to this analysis. Um, but at the end of the day, you got five shutout innings from Sonny Gray. That's pretty yeah. solid for a team that um, has as good of a bullpen as it turns out we do, um, minus Emilio Pagan. Uh, so, yeah, and ultimately, I think it was just a good outing for for Gray, a good uh, way to start the season. And I think Sonny Gray would tell you, you know, that wasn't his best start. Uh, yeah. He had that big diatribe right before the season about how he wanted to go longer uh in his starts and you know he felt like the pitchers weren't being trusted but simultaneously the pitchers didn't necessarily have the capability mm-hmm. and you know he knows as well as anybody that if he wants to go third time through the order pitch into the sixth pitch into the seventh he has to look better than he did um because yeah he got out of the start unscathed he didn't give up a run he put together mm-hmm. five solid innings but um anybody who watched or listened to that game would tell you that Sonny gray didn't really have it Right. Yep. And at the end of the day, we still came out with a win, which is pretty nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was one of the one of the bigger stories. Obviously, was Buxton. Um, you know, as he mentioned on on our podcast last week, you know, he's looking to DH more, and then the Twins, you know, basically said, yeah, he's going to be DH DHing for a lot of April. Um, and yet he's still making an impact with his bat. Like even as a DH, um, you know, he's still just just as helpful uh, during game two, basically his speed was a big reason why we won there. Um, reached their base on a fielder's choice. Um, for those who didn't see it, basically Bobby Witt fielded the, uh, the ball and then like threw it over to third base, but then completely missed the base. And uh, that's how he got to third. And then, um, then he scored on a shallow sack fly. Uh, I think it was Kyle farmer who hit it. Um, or maybe it was Larnick. I can't remember which guy who, who had the sack fly, but basically it was like, shallow shallow center field like there's no one had any business running on that but buxton with his speed was able to change the game there um so it's good to see him running it's good good to see him that he's not like uh getting you know weird nagging injuries here and there he did have like a weird slide uh in game one i don't know if you noticed that uh yeah he had the weird slide in game one he also slammed his face into the ground on a slide in game two that he get he got to second base on that at bat because he kind of stretched out a long single into a double, was running yep. it out. And when he was sliding head first into second, just slammed his face straight down into the ground. And so, yep. you know, we all love Byron Buxton, but for the love of God, man, stop doing stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, I'm just happy after this three this three game series that he's he's coming out relatively unscathed. Yeah. As far as we know. And and I think, like you said, it's important to have his bat in the lineup. He's hitting 444 through the first mm-hmm. couple games. He has a double, a triple. You know, at times he's looked like the only hitter who's been ready to go on the Twins. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
he having that bat in the lineup is just as important, if not more important for the twins as having his defense, they can make up for his defense with Michael A. Taylor out there. Um, but in this lineup, that's maybe a little bit light. They really, really need his bat. And by DHing him, it's not like they're necessarily missing out on another bat. They, they're not Mm -hmm. able to get into the lineup anyway. Right. Um, you know, their bench bats are useful, but they're not guys that need to be in the lineup. Yeah. I mean, speaking of the bench too, um, game one, and we also saw this in game three, uh, Rocco made some interesting, interesting moves, uh, specifically when the, uh, the Royals decided to bring out, um, uh, basically replaced their their starter. Um, they had, I think it was Amir Garrett come in, um, and with the three minimum batter rule, uh, Rocco did a kind of an interesting move where he he basically took out Nick Gordon and Joey Gallo in game one and replaced them with Kyle Farmer and Donovan Solano to pinch hit, and that's what got us runs in in game one. Um, at least it got us a second run, um, and then in game three he kind of did the same thing. We'll talk about this a little bit later. He did that with. Um, Kyle Farmer replacing Nick Gordon. It didn't work as well. He, uh, Kyle Farmer popped up, but it, it's kind of cool to see that Rocco is taking advantage of this bench, even though, like you said, maybe it's not players that you want to be DHing, you know, frequently. There's still guys that have good enough bats that it makes sense to put insert into insert them into the game as early as the sixth inning and knowing that they're not going to be a detriment to your offense. Definitely. I, I think if there was still 2019 Nelson Cruz on this team, Byron maybe would force his way into the field a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But without that, I think the Twins are totally content to just have him DH for a while. Yeah, uh, I, as long as he stays healthy, that's that's all I really care about. Yeah, of course. Uh, the other big story from these first two games were the Twins pitch shutouts. Uh, Pablo mm-hmm. Lopez and Sonny Gray combined with the bullpen, uh, which the bullpen looked excellent in these first two games, pretty good in the third as well, and didn't give up a single run. Yeah, I think they only gave up like one hit, I think, in the first two games as well. Um, the bullpen? Yeah, the bullpen. Yeah. yeah. Like, so really just lights out performance from them. Uh, I mean, we mentioned in our, our you know, season preview, the bullpen was kind of the one area that we were a little bit dicey about um, with this team. And uh, even with, you know, a, a hurt or, you know, a slightly sore Johan Duran, um, they, they look good. I mean, Jorge Lopez specifically actually looks pretty solid. Um, he... He got the save um, on in game one, I believe, or game two. Yeah, game two. Uh, but he's pitched all three games, um, and he hasn't looked too bad. His command's been pretty solid. Um, he hasn't walked anyone, struck out two. Um, he kind of just looks like his – he doesn't look like his complete dominant self like last year, but he definitely does not look like a liability, which is good. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what you need, right? Is you just need solid, reliable guys so that you can get to Duran at the end and, Mm -hmm. you know, hope that everything else can kind of stay together until then. Yep. All right. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back with notes from game three and some more general talking points as well. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. All right, we're back and we're going to talk about game three. Uh, Joe Ryan was the starting pitcher here. Six innings, three hits, one and run, two walks and six strikeouts. Uh, fun fact today, Joe Ryan actually threw his hardest pitch ever, 96 miles an hour on that fastball. Uh, however, he still was actually just averaging around the same velocity as he averaged last year. So it's not like his fastball is like a tick higher. He just just throws harder sometimes now. Uh, but his fastball is still, still pretty much at the same same speed. Um, it was actually kind of an uncharacteristic start for him. He, he gave up a lot of hard hits. Uh, Joe Ryan's a guy who doesn't really give up a lot of hard contact. Um, he... It, it, it didn't look great looking at advanced metrics, but it's still a good start overall for the twins. Uh, you know, he, he did give up an earned run. I believe it was the Homer from Danny Duffy. I want to say, um, can't exactly remember who, who, who hit the Homer off him, but, uh, ultimately I think he looked pretty solid in his, in his first game, uh, this season. Yeah, uh, Matt Duffy, not to be confused with the oh, Royals pitcher Danny Duffy. That's but right. Sorry, the other too many Duffy. Duffies. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler Duffy. Oh no, it was too. it was it was Olivares who hit off who hit the homer off Ryan Duffy hit a homer off Moran later in the game. That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right, we're get, we're getting all our pitchers straight, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot of similarities in this start between Ryan and Lopez, um, mm-hmm. where they both kind of showed that upper limit, but both didn't really look like they necessarily had control with that, you know, 96 mile an hour fastball and mm-hmm. settled in a little bit more once they got back to their more comfortable range. And you know, while it's nice to see that velocity from a guy like Joe Ryan, his kind of deceptive delivery uh, made his fastball already one of the most uh, dominant pitches in baseball last year. Uh, the biggest issue with him was, you know, developing that secondary stuff. And they mentioned yep. on the broadcast, it looked like he was kind of playing around with it a little bit as he went yeah. farther in the game and was trying out um, the sweeper and that split change that he has as well. Right. Yeah. Like it, uh, according to baseball savant, I mean, he, he threw his fastball 55% of the time, which is pretty regular for Joe Ryan. Um, but yeah, that splitter 25% of the time. And then that new sweeper, 20% of the time. So he's he's trusting in the secondaries maybe a little bit more. Um they weren't necessarily returning anything great. I mean he got four whiffs on the splitter, um, which is pretty solid. I think the splitter is like I don't know if it's technically a new pitch for him if he's throwing it different than his changeup last year. Uh but um he, he was getting you know more whiffs on it. He was just getting strikes overall. Um I think the overall issue with Joe Ryan that I saw just looking at the stats, I mean, looking at the start, the start was fine. But just looking at the underlying stats, like his um, called strike whiff percentage, which basically is like how many of the pitches you throw um, end up as called strikes or whiffs, was only 21%. Um, and he, last year, his average for the year was 29%. And if you look at MLB average, it was around 28%. Um, Numbers-wise, he just wasn't getting a lot of strikes, which was unfortunate. Uh, but it still was a good start. So yeah. uh, there's nothing really to complain about here for me. I think just when you look at advanced metrics wise, there's maybe stuff to work on. Um, but at the end of the day, we got the win. Yeah. He gave up the first twins run of the season mm-hmm. uh, with that home run to Oliveris, like you mentioned before. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Like you were saying, he was really solid. He was Joe Ryan, right? Yep. He doesn't blow you away, but mm-hmm. you know, every time he takes the mound outside of, you know, a few blow ups that happened to everybody He's going to give you a chance to win. He's going to be solid against a team like the Royals. Probably only giving up one run is a good 
start rather mm-hmm. than giving up like three or four against someone like the Yankees. But either way, I, I don't think there's anything to complain about with the starting staff. It'll be good to see um, what Molly and Maeda look like as they're both coming back from injuries. But yep. you know, these three really got us off to a good start. Yeah. I, I don't know if you saw the Oliveras at bat where he got the, the home run off him, but um, it was kind of a, a, an interesting thing where I think he, he just didn't look like he had the command uh, for that at bat, and then end up just you know have a uh, I think it was like a hanging slider that Oliveras took yard. Yeah, um, there there were two different pitches in that at bat that he thought he got Oliveras looking and yep. started mm-hmm. to walk off and yeah, it, it, but yeah, that I think he was he was definitely trying to like paint the corners with his changeup and just wasn't getting it um, in those spots this game. Uh, but you know that that's just that's just maybe that's what he was dealing with, and yeah. I don't think that's necessarily a thing that he's going to be having to deal with for the rest of the season. Yeah. And the other big story from this game was Joey Gallo, who hit two home runs, drove in three runs, also hit yep. a double. Uh, you know, he was the Twins offense today. And, you know, when we talked before the season about why they brought in Joey Gallo, despite having this glut of left-handed hitting corner outfielders, mm-hmm. corner infielders, this is exactly why. Joey Gallo, when he's good, is one of the best hitters in the AL. And he looked a little lost in his first few at-bats this season, but mm-hmm. seeing him uh, really start to drive the ball is a really good sign for the Twins offense and a necessary sign for the Twins offense who need people besides uh, Correa and Buxton to be hitting. Yeah, I mean, his overall line for day, three for four, uh, four RBIs, one walk, um, just a really good game for him overall. And I, I thought it was a little interesting here because, uh, you know, with with Rocco and his, his you know, his substitution strategy, um, he had Gordon pinch, he had Gordon pinch hit, uh, Kyle Farmer pinch hit for Gordon at the end of the fifth inning, uh, and then and then Farmer flied out. Um, but I was curious to see what would happen if um, if Farmer had somehow gotten a hit, would he have replaced Gallo with with Solano um, at first base? He ended up not, and it ended up working out because then Gallo hit a homer the next inning, uh, which which was pretty cool. But yeah, like you said, you know we need this team has some decent contributors to offense, but having a guy like Gallo who has that power um, is, is pretty nice. Um, the other thing too, I, I, and I don't know if you noticed this uh, was how the Royals like tried to shift on Gallo a little bit. Uh, obviously game one, there was the, like the bobbled MJ Melendez uh, error. Uh, the twins are apparently trying to get that change to a hit, uh, but there's, you know, some complicated process about that. Ultimately, it was like, okay, they tried doing that. And I think they they didn't do it, though, for every single at-bat. Um, obviously, you know, situational baseball, who's on the bases and things like that. But it is interesting to see that during opening day, they already tried this, like, the funky outfield shift on Gallo. Yeah, it'll be interested to see. I'll be interested to see what exactly happens with that shift, if more teams try it, if fewer do, because it leaves these massive gaps in the outfield. Yeah. Like, not just... Mm-hmm. Uh, the obvious ones on the left, but there's a big gap just in the right field corner. Right. Yeah. Where if he hooks the ball down there, you know, Joey Gallo is not super fast, but he's not slow. He might get a triple fairly easily. Right. And I so mean, that's it, where it's he a normally, weird combo. That's where he normally hits the ball. It's just that he usually hits like hard grounders in, yeah. into that area. But if he's just lifting it into, yeah, that the corner in right field, like suddenly something that might be a, a double. Yeah. If, uh, you know, if the right fielder was normally there, suddenly it's like a triple or something like that. Because the the shift that they do is they bring the right fielder in to where almost where the second 
baseman would play when those over-exaggerated yep. shifts before. Mm-hmm. But then they take the left fielder and the center fielder and they kind of play them in the left center and right center gaps. Right. So in yep. direct right field, that leaves a big open space over there, which is really interesting to see. Right. And it's going to depend on the team too. Like, obviously, if you have like a more athletic center fielder, you're maybe more willing to take risks there. Um, but it, yeah, I am very curious to see how teams will treat some of these players who basically were completely neutralized because of the shift last year um, and what they're going to do this year with those new rules. Yeah. The other thing to note with Joey Gallo today with his great uh, game was that his first home run was off a lefty. So lefty on lefty home run uh, off of Amir Garrett. So Mm -hmm. a rough couple games for Amir Garrett, but uh, a a good sign for Joey Gallo that he's seen some life, you know, he didn't have a bad spring training necessarily, but I think the twins were hoping to see a little bit more. So Mm -hmm. it's always good to get off to a good start. Uh, Well, game three brought us our first issue with the bullpen, though, uh, even though we praised them for games one and two. Uh, Giovanni Moran gave up a homer. Uh, That was kind of uncharacteristic. He he actually doesn't really give up homers a lot. Uh, Walk giving up walks is more Moran's issue. But um, (laughs) yeah, he gave up a homer in this game. uh, And then Jorge Lopez came and shut it down. Then we had a four run lead. And then, uh, you know, good friend Emilio Pagan came up to the mound and uh, I think all of Twins territory held their breath, wondering what the heck was about to happen. And uh, it wasn't very pretty. It wasn't pretty. It could have been worse. He immediately came in and gave up two hits and a run. Yep. Uh, so that that was a rough start. After that, he buckled in. He got the next three guys out. But uh, it was enough to make the Twins worried. Griffin Jacks had to get up and start throwing, which means he's probably unavailable tomorrow after pitching in the previous two games. Mm-hmm. So it... You know, even when Pagan doesn't necessarily hurt you, he still kind of hurts you. Yeah, that like the the two straight hits that he gave up was like you know a double from Michael Massey, then a single from Olivares, and yeah, it was just ooh, like it, the, as soon as the the sing, as soon as the run came in, that's when I got nervous because immediately Pagan can definitely blow a three run lead like that. That's just too easy. Uh, but he did manage to strike out Kyle Isabel, so good for him. Um, and then just a, a flyout and then a ground out. So uh, the ground out actually was kind of impressive. Um, from I don't know if you saw that play where uh, Miranda looks pretty good at third base. Um, you know, the, the big thing with him was, you know, spring training. His arm wasn't feeling good. That's why he was DHing most of spring training. Uh, but he looks comfortable at third base. It does not look like he has any sort of shoulder issues out there right now. Yeah, he definitely looked strong. He did have the one little bobble. I think it was in game two where he got yep. charged mm-hmm. with an error. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, yeah, he's had a lot of opportunities. He's made really strong throws against the speedy Royals runners. And he's looked really, really good, which is all you can ask for for the twins. Uh, you know, where fielding isn't necessarily Miranda's specialty. Right. Yeah. And, and that's always been that was the worry coming into the season was can he handle third base? Cause you know, he basically played first all of last year. Uh, but yeah, he, he at least looks like a major league third baseman, which is I think all, uh, all that we were hoping for and, and we're getting it. Yeah, definitely. So the first three games are in the books. The twins are three, and know, uh, which is all you can ask for at the end of the day, especially against a team like the Royals, where you're expecting to be in a tough division race. As we come down the stretch, you got to beat up on teams like the Royals and the Tigers, mm-hmm. uh, the guardians in their first four are three and one, the white Sox are two and two, the Tigers and the Royals are both zero and three. So, so far the division is looking about like how we would expect. Yep. Yeah. The guardians, uh, they had a tough series against Seattle, but they came away with three wins. 
the White Sox had their uh, series against the Astros, so that was interesting. Um, but they managed to, you know, even that one out. So you know, the Guardians and the White Sox both played good teams, and uh, we played a bad team. So it's kind of expected that we're we're three and zero. But um, yeah, as the season goes on, we'll we'll keep track of how the AL Central's is looking. We'll we'll be giving you guys constant updates on you know how that how that race is shaping up. Uh, and I'm sure you guys will be following it as well. But for now, uh, Twins are in first place and uh, going to be win the, winning the World Series. Yeah. I think after the end of last season, everybody understandably was a little stressed out starting the season. But it's important to remember that the Twins were in first for the majority of the season last year. Yeah. They let stuff slip away in September when they frankly just ran out of players. Yeah. But uh, they ended up losing the division by 14 games, but they were in first until September, basically. And so they'll be right in it. It should be close between them and the Guardians. Who knows? Maybe the White Sox will start playing real baseball again. <laughs> as long as we're not trotting an outfield of, you know, Mark Contreras and you know Jake Cave, uh, I think I'll be okay. Yeah. Spe- speaking of that, a few other notes we want to hit before we move on uh, from the first three games. We talked about it a little bit already, but having real bench options is already paying off, you know, yeah. whether it's injuries filling in or pinch hitting options, you know, having guys like Kyle Farmer, like Donovan Solano, not having to run out Mark Contreras, Billy Hamilton, Jake Cave. It's just putting the twins in a much better position when they were than where they were before building out this depth and having competent major league players to back up the starters. Yeah. And one of those players that's actually like really paying off is Trevor Larnick. Um, he's slotting into cleanup. And the only reason he's there is because Kirilov was hurt. And with Kirilov hurt, Joey Gallo slides over the first base. And then, you know, who fills in left field? It's uh, Trevor Larnick, even though at the beginning of the season, you know, we all thought if Trevor Larnick makes this team, he's just going to be as a DH. Um, but he's looked pretty solid over these three games. Um, he's gone two for five. He's had two RBIs. He's walked three times, which is really good to see. Uh, has an OPS of over over one, like um, over one thousand. Honestly, it's it's a really good start for Larnick. I'm just hoping that again he just stays healthy for the season because that's just been his Achilles heel, no pun intended. Yeah, he had a really good spring training. He's carried that over into the start of the season. And yeah, if he's healthy, we've seen the healthy version of Larnick pretty much always produce. Even when he's not getting hits, he's re- mm-hmm. has really good plate discipline. He's able to take a lot of walks, get on base. And having a little bit of protection behind Correa and Buxton is going to be really important to how you know, teams attack them. If Larnick proves right. that he can be as big of a threat as them, or at least a competent threat, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to set those two guys up a lot better as well. Yeah, in I mean, other than today's game, like you know, game one and two were were pretty low offense games, um, and so you're going to need guys like Larnick and Miranda, you know, guys basically not named Correa and Buxton to contribute to make sure that we're in games when we're competing against, uh, let's just say, teams of a higher caliber than the Royals. Yeah, and I think that's one main thing to still look out for is this was the Royals. The Royals have four good hitters in their lineup, maybe, you know, Melendez, Witt, Perez, uh, Pasquantino. That's Mm -hmm. maybe it. Uh, And and so the the pitching staff looked really good. Everybody who played filled their role, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's the Royals. So let's see how they look next week. So some other news and notes before we wrap up here. Uh, First one, Tristan McKenzie, the Guardian star starting pitcher. uh, He hurt his shoulder and has been shut down for two weeks by the Guardians, after which he'll be reevaluated, you know, kind of looking at 
what the guardians are planning to do there with completely shutting him down. I would say he's most likely out for at least a month. Cause we'll have to ramp back up after that. Um, mm-hmm. And while obviously we don't want anybody to get hurt and we'd never wish, wish that on anyone uh, him not being there for potentially the first month could be a good win for the twins to help them get started this season. Yeah. I think um, Lucas C. Hafer on Twitter, who who does some, some twins analysis. Um, he was just talking about how, um, Usually the uh, injury like this takes like six to eight weeks to heal, I believe, uh, something like that. So uh, six to eight weeks to basically kind of like get back um, and, re- and recover. Um, so it kind of sucks for Cleveland. Uh, the only thing that kind of works out for them is that they have this endless uh, pitching pipeline, it seems like. So uh, we'll, we'll see if they end up uh, slipping. Um, they've got Hunter Gaddis up now, who I know nothing about. Um He's a rookie. So yeah, uh, he's probably good because he's a guardians pitcher, but um, yeah, this will definitely help the twins out at least in, in the first few months. Hopefully it allows us to build up a lead. uh, So when the inevitable twin slump happens, uh, we're able to weather that storm. Yeah. McKenzie was really, really good last year. I think the guardians were really planning on him taking another big step forward. Kind of like you saw uh, with Shane Bieber back in 2020, where in 2019 he was really good and 2020 he became one of the best pitchers in the league i think they were looking to kind of see that same leap from mckenzie so obviously we hope everything works out for him he's a really good young pitcher who even though he is on the guardians he's really enjoyable to watch mm-hmm. uh speaking of pitchers with injuries um yoha duran pitched in game one but hasn't been seen in game two or three uh he as we mentioned earlier he took a line drive to the leg in spring training uh you know took a few days off, but looked good. Uh, apparently he woke up weird or he just slept funny. Uh, and that's why he had some, he had some like soreness in his neck. Uh, Rocco just basically said that uh, he just didn't feel great. And so that's why he hasn't pitched the last two days. Uh, do you think this is something that twins fans should be worried about? Or is it just Duran just woke up on the wrong side of the bed? I think after the last few years where the Twins give long or inaccurate timelines to players returning from injury, I mean, Mm -hmm. the most recent being Jorge Polanco, suddenly just we don't know what's up with him. Uh, But with kind of that history, it's something I'm a little concerned about naturally because I don't necessarily trust what Rocco and the front office say. And so until Mm -hmm. I see Duran back out there, I don't know if I'm going to believe that he's feeling good. Uh, But He's not on the injured list. He is still uh, with the team. And so I'm hoping that it's nothing major and we'll see him back soon. If anything, it might just be precaution. It's early in the year. Let's not push anything when we don't need to push Mm it. Um, But yeah, I I don't think Durand is one player that can't really afford to miss much time Uh, alongside Buxton. You know, he's probably the Buxton of the pitching staff where he fills a very specific role and there's not necessarily Mm -hmm. anybody else on the team who can fill that if he misses time. Right. I mean, as much praise as we gave the bullpen over games one and two, the reality is if Duran is out for, you know, a little bit longer, if this, if, if this has to be like some weird, like neck strain or something like that, right? Like then the arms that you can kind of reliably rely on are Griffin checks and Jorge Lopez. And Caleb Thielbar, too, to some extent. Um, those are kind of your three guys that you feel confident trotting out on the mound every single day. Behind him, it's, you know, Giovanni Moran, who, you know, walked a guy and, and gave up a homer today. 
Um, Emilio Pagan, who we've uh, talked plenty enough about, about how much we don't trust him. Um, and also Jorge Alcala, who's coming back from injury. Uh, and then Cole Sands is kind of the long relief guy. So don't expect him to be pitching in any sort of high leverage situations. Um, that makes things a little dicey, uh, to be honest, if, if Duran's out for, let's just say, even like a, a week or two. Definitely. And frankly, even if he went on the injured list, I don't know who the Twins would bring up. I guess maybe Bailey Ober and just see what happens. But they don't necessarily have any relievers ready to go in the minors with the injuries to Winder and Henriquez. Right. Yeah. I mean, like you're not bringing up Louis Varland or, or Simeon's Woods Richardson in a relief role. That's not what the twins want for them. Um, and it, it's not good for their development either to, you know, all of a sudden be to be switching roles mid season or really early in the season uh, when the twins want them to develop more as starters. So, yeah, it, I mean, let's just hope it's, it's, it's nothing bad with Duran. Um, but um, yeah, I guess, I guess time will tell. Definitely. Uh, Some other important injury updates that we got this last week. So first off, Royce Lewis uh, and reporting from the athletics, Dan Hayes, it seems like he is a little bit ahead of schedule, but the twins are slowing him down a bit, uh, which makes sense given his history with uh, two ACLs and the same knee back to back. And so uh, it sounds like he's really amped up and ready to go, but the twins are holding him back. They're still kind of playing that same June or July timeline for him returning to game action. Right. I mean, he's on the 60 DIL. He can't come back before uh, the the start of June. So, I, you know, as long as he's targeting, if he feels good, um, you know, he can target early June to come back. And, and you know, it'll be exciting to see that, uh, see him back on a, on a major league field. Uh, but until then, yeah, I, I think this is just good practice for the Twins. Just to like, hey, like, we know you're feeling good. We know you're like running during spring training. I think he was like running the bases uh, the the past week or so, um, but you just don't want to take a risk with a guy who, yeah, has has torn an ACL in uh, twice in the same knee. Definitely. Uh, the other major injury update we got was Alex Kirloff. Uh, there wasn't any major updates, but they did say he should start a rehab assignment assignment sometime in the next couple weeks. Uh, he's doing well, but one note that stood out to me from Hayes's reporting was that they want to make sure he can drive the ball, not just be a singles hitter, kind of like we saw him uh, in periods last year before he got sent back down to triple a and refound his swing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it, he's kind of one of those players where um, again, you need offense from guys, the other named career Car- Buxton Kirloff can kind of fill that if, if he comes up uh, and he's looking like his old self, um, but yeah, I, I'm okay with caution. I think Larnick and Gallo have looked pretty solid so far in, in their uh, temporary roles. Um, and so if Kirillov needs a couple more weeks to get better, um, I'm all for that. Yeah. Uh, notably, there was not an update on Jorge Polanco. He was not even mentioned. So as, as I said before, uh, you know, he's still recovering from his knee injury that he sustained last year. He had mm-hmm. a bit of a setback in spring training that slowed him down. And he's somebody that I know the twins want back sooner than later because he's someone that would probably slot in right now in the four hole. He's one of the better hitting second baseman in the league uh, when he's healthy. And so getting Polanco back would be a big boost for the offense. But unfortunately right now it's not looking like it's going to be soon necessarily. Yeah. And, and Polanco too, to that point, like because he's a switch hitter, he could also slot in as leadoff. I mean, it is kind of a weird spot for him just because he is more of a power bat not necessarily an on-base guy, but his versatility, um, you know, in being able to hit from both sides of the plate, 
just gives the twins like so many more options for how they can structure that lineup. Yeah. Uh, one other note before we move on was our old friend Gary Sanchez signed a minor league deal with the Giants. Uh, prior to this, he was playing for a team in the Dominican Republic, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, I think he signed a deal with the Dominican Republic, but then I think it was only their winter league. So I was a little confused about why they're making a big fuss about it. But um, yeah, he has a minor league deal with the with the Giants. I believe that the deal is structured in a way where if he doesn't, if he isn't called up to the majors by May 1st, um, he's released from that deal and he can go look for a uh, contract with other teams. But, um, you know, good for Gary Sanchez. Uh, you know, I thought he played okay for um, last season. He was, he was actually, he improved in his defensive metrics, which was kind of always the biggest knock on Gary. Um, but uh, good for him to be able to, f- to find a- another landing spot and yeah. uh, hopefully he makes it back. The biggest thing with Gary Sanchez was, yeah, his defense was better, but, the man just can't hit anymore. And <laughs> so he's still limited defensively. He can't really hit that much. And how I know that not that many people watch the twins was when this signing came across, I had a bunch of other uh, friends that are kind of outside of the twins universe reach uh-huh. out to me and say, what Gary got a minor league contract. What happened? And I'm like, clearly you guys didn't watch the twins last year. You know, he obviously yeah. he has the reputation from his all-star days with the Yankees, but he's just not that hitter anymore. Yeah, I, I remember like distinctly a couple at bats, like I think like, you know, bases loaded, bottom of the ninth, you know, target fields going crazy. They're chanting Gary, Gary, Gary. Uh, and then he just flies out to right field. <laughs> he had a lot of big flyouts, though, let me tell you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. If, if only the if only the fences at target were like, you know, 20 yards closer. <laughs> Definitely. So next week, uh, the twins have a couple of big series the first one against the marlins where they'll see the the return of luis rise with a different team pablo lopez yep. will get to pitch against his old team so it'll be nice mm-hmm. to see those two go head to head and of course always nice to see uh our old friend up and close uh, and then they have the home opener against the astros which is going to be a tough series and i think a good test for where the twins are at early in this season the astros are once again one of the leading contenders for the world series and so it'll be a good way to see how the team stacks up early on Yep, and then I believe Sonny Gray is going to be pitching that home opener. So um, we'll be uh, excited to see him uh, in in the new threads, the new home threads. That's right. Uh, all right, well, thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to check out our work over at Twinkie Town if you want any and all information about the Twins. We're covering every game, every transaction, everything you could ever want. We'll be covering it on Twinkie Town. And be sure to check out Pitcher List for all of your fantasy baseball needs. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at the John Cut and at Ben Jones underscore five. Uh, you can also follow the pod at Twins Talk Pod. If you like what you heard, be sure to give us a follow on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a five-star rating. We'll be back next week to talk more twins with you guys. Thanks, everybody.